scripture reading this morning comes from John, starting chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of, of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. An introduction is meant to draw us in. Some introductions do that amazingly well. Some introductions, especially introductions from those of us who preach, can kind of fall flat sometimes. But I'll guarantee you this. The gospel accounts introduce Jesus beautifully and marvelously. If you look at Matthew, Matthew presents Jesus as the long-awaited king. He's the one that the Old Testament had talked about. He's here. That's really the message of Matthew, that the Messiah, the king, has come. And what happens when you look at the beginning of Matthew, what is mentioned is the genealogy and birth of Jesus. Then you get to the book of Mark. And the Gospel of Mark stresses that Jesus is the suffering servant of the Lord. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10 and verse 45. And really that strikes at the heart of the Gospel of Mark. The suffering servant. So the long-awaited king is also the suffering servant of the Lord. That was kind of hard for people, the Jews of the time, to get a hold of. And it may be somewhat difficult for people today. One gets to the Gospel of Luke. And incidentally, Mark begins his story of Jesus with the beginning of his public ministry. His baptism and the beginning of his public ministry. You get to the Gospel of Luke. And what Luke does is begin with an announcement concerning John the baptizer and an announcement to Mary of the coming of Jesus. And so you've got the birth of John, the forerunner, and then the birth of Jesus, the Savior mentioned, and then you have a genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And Luke emphasizes Jesus as the perfect man. You can see that in how he cares about people, how he helps people, how he loves people, how he prays for people. Luke stresses that beautifully. And then you get to the Gospel of John. 
And John stresses that Jesus is the Son of God. The Son of God. And the Gospel of John is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. While it's similar in that it tells us the life of Jesus, the emphasis of John is to show that Jesus is the Son of God. And jot down in your Bible, if you would, here in John 1, see John 20, verses 30 and 31. Because John 1, 1 through 18, and John 20, 30, and 31 go together marvelously. John 20, verses 30 and 31 say, Many other signs therefore did Jesus in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing have life in his name. What I'd like for us to do this morning and this evening is to introduce the Word, to introduce Jesus, the Word. And I know of no better passage to examine than John 1, 1 through 18. And this morning we'll be looking at six simple truths about Jesus. From John chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And then tonight, Lord willing, we'll look at six more truths from John chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. Are you with me? How he introduces this. He is the only writer, John is, to give a prologue. And here's what a prologue is. A prologue is an entryway. We get an entryway to the throne of God and God's eternal purpose in saving us when we go to the Gospel of John. Just like the foyer is the entryway to most points here in this church building, so the prologue of John is the entryway to all the things that John is going to talk about. I hope that you'll see that in these first 18 verses, virtually every major theme that John wants to emphasize will be mentioned. In other words, in the first 18 verses, you have an introduction. In everything that follows in the rest of the Gospel of John, you have an expansion. So we are given an entryway to what's been going on throughout all eternity concerning the Father, the Son, and Spirit. And the rest of the Gospel of John will elaborate and expand on that as it concerns your salvation and mine. Ready? Introducing the Word from John 1, 1 through 18. First truth. The Word has eternally existed. The Word has eternally existed. That's what John 1, 1 and 2 tell us. The first three words of the Gospel of John 
are also the first three words of what book of the Bible? Genesis. In the beginning. So what John is wanting readers to do is to think about the very beginning of things. He's intentionally drawing his reader's attention back to Genesis and when everything was created. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Several observations here. And talking about how the Word has eternally existed. Twice in the first two verses it says that the Word was present in the beginning. But not only was He present in the beginning, He has been present from all of eternity. And when you look at the context and the identity of the Word, the Jews thought of the Word as God in His creative power. God in His revealing power. God in His saving power. To the Jewish mind, to talk about the Word... They understood Psalm 33, verse 6 and verse 9, that God spoke the world into existence. It came into being. And so as Jesus is called the Word here, to the Jewish mind, God in His creative power, God in His saving power, God in in person. But there's more to it here. John 8, 58. Remember how I said that the first 18 verses introduced virtually everything that the rest of the book's going to talk about? What it does is it tells you what the book is about and then the remainder of chapter 1 all the way through chapter 21 shows you what he has just told you. It's show and tell. But he tells you first, and then he shows you. And he hits us with so many concepts and so many ideas in the first 18 verses. What he's wanting you to do is to read the rest of the story and see how all unfolds. The Word has eternally existed. He eternally exists. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9 and verse 6. Notice John 1, 1 and 2 again. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was what? With God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That is really an interesting term because with means to accompany. Isn't that right? And with has to do with the relationship. And what I want everybody to see is this. 
The Word accompanies the Father at the beginning. The Word has a relationship with the Father. So, Kyle, the Word is not the Father, although the Word has been eternally with the Father. There is an accompaniment and a relationship that's marvelous and beyond our ability to fully comprehend. But, man, we can appreciate that. The Word has eternally existed in relationship with the Father. That brings me to a second point. A second truth. The Word is God. Jesus is God. And the Word was God. Having made the point that the Word is eternal, and the Word was with God in a relationship accompanying God, it's the next step. It's the next logical step, Gene, to say, just in case you don't get it, He's God. And whatever makes God God, Jesus has it perfectly, fully, and completely. The Word was God. And that is why throughout the rest of the book of John, you'll see people wanting to put Jesus to death, John 5, 18, because he made himself equal with God. He made himself equal with God. That means he's worthy of death. Well, it, that would be true unless he was equal with God and is. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. At that time, they took up stones to stone him to death to kill him because they understood he was claiming to be God and one with God. When you look at the Bible... There are four great New Testament passages to turn to about Jesus. And let's look at them. The first one is this one, John 1, 1 through 18. John 1, 1 through 18. What this passage does is speak of Jesus as the Lord of the Incarnation. Incarnation. It's a $10 word, but the meaning is not difficult to get, though it may be difficult to understand. Jesus is fully God, and he became fully man too, without being minus his godhood. Fully God, fully man, yet without sin. John is really going to stress that throughout this book, but especially we're going to be introduced to it in John 1, 1 through 18. Uh, for you song lovers, you ever thought about how songs normally have a hook that hooks you? Even religious songs, in Christ alone, that we just saw, sang. What a friend we have in Jesus. 
Everything within that song comes back to the concept of what a friend we have in Jesus. Well, this is an inspired hook so we can be able to introduce ourselves to Jesus and introduce Jesus to others. That's what John 1, 1 through 18 does. Now turn in your Bible to this passage. Turn to Philippians 2. If the first passage deals with the incarnation, that Jesus is fully God, and that's what we've been talking about initially, but as we keep going through 18, he's fully man as well. He became man and walked among us. What the next passage does, Philippians 2, and Carl mentioned this in the Lord's Supper meditation, it deals with the submission of Jesus. Now listen, Joe, sometimes it's hard to put ourselves under others and do what they want done, especially when others don't appreciate what you're trying to do. But Jesus was willing to go to the cross, the humiliating death of the cross, to do the will of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, so that you and I could be saved. If he was so willing to be submissive to the will of God so that we could be saved, wouldn't it be great if more of us were willing to be submissive to the will of God so that the church could be united and strong and healthy. Turn to Colossians. Jesus is the Lord of the Incarnation. You talk about the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle, as great as the resurrection is, in my mind, yes, it's among the greatest miracles of all time that He arose from the dead. But an even greater miracle is that God would come down and he would clothe himself in flesh and blood. How humble and submissive and willing so that we could be saved and that God would be honored. Really, that's what John 1, 1 through 18 is all about. That he was willing to put on flesh and blood and dwell among us so that grace and truth and the glory of God would be disclosed for all of us to see in his person. All right. We've looked at two of the four. Let's look at it a little bit more. Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, talk about Jesus as the Lord of creation. The Lord of creation. How he created all things and that all things subsist in him. The last passage is Hebrews 1. 
The way the book of Hebrews begins, it begins like a speech that's really moving and powerful and arrests our attention. But Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 speak of Jesus as the Lord of Revelation. God has spoken in these last days through His Son. He's spoken in these last days through Jesus. Jesus is everything that God wants to say to us. Nothing else is coming. Nothing else is needed than what God has said in Christ. It is sufficient. It's enough. You put those together, it kind of helps you see a little bit more about the Word the word, Jesus, is God's ultimate message and messenger. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is the creator. And Jesus is the Lord and Savior who would go to the cross. Back to John 1. The word has eternally existed. The word is God. Look at truth number three from John 1, verse 3 and 4. All things were made by him. All, mark it. Jesus is not a created being. Jesus is not an angel. Jesus is not someone who was created to be better than men and angels, but less than the Father. All things were created by Him. And what that tells us sheds light on Genesis 1. God did create the heavens and the earth and all therein, but He did it through the instrumentality of the Son, Jesus. All things were created by Him. So says John 1, 3 and 4. So says Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And what else is significant to me about this is in John 5, 22 through uh, 29, the Father has committed judgment to the Son. The one who created the world and everything in it, Jesus, is the one before whom we will stand in judgment. And it makes perfect sense. Why? Because he's the one who came to save us and went to the cross. Because he is the fullest and greatest and best way God has ever spoken, Hebrews. And because he's God in the flesh and perfectly relates to us, John 1. I cannot do justice to this passage. The wow factor is so big. But I'll tell you what, people always want to know... What, what passage should I begin with to introduce Jesus to somebody else? I believe you could do a whole lot worse than John 1, 1 through 18. It is a great place to introduce Jesus to someone who does not know him. Now keep going with me. In John 1, it says... This truth, he is life, L-I-F-E, 
and he gives life. In him was life. It's said in John 6, 63 through 68, your word is spirit, your word is life. To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It said that you might have life in his name, John 20, verses 30 and 31. You will not come to me, Jesus said, that you might have life, John 5, 39 and 40. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me, Jesus would say. John 14 and verse 6. I came to give life and to give it more abundantly. John 10 and verse 10. He gave us life initially in creation. And he comes as God in the flesh to give us spiritual life eternally with him. Life. One who doesn't really know Jesus doesn't know one who has eternally existed. One who is God. One who created the world and all things therein. And one who is life. Number five. In him was life, and that life was the light, L-I-G-H-T, of men. When Jim prayed a few moments ago, he talked about the darkness of this old world and that it seems to be getting darker and darker. John 1, 1 through 18 says, the light is far greater than the darkness. The light is far greater than the darkness. Open your Bibles to John chapter 3. Look at verse 19. John 3, verse 19. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. How important it is to be introduced to the Word. The Word of life. The Word of light. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Look at verse 45. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Boom, the light bulb goes off when we think of Jesus. There is an epiphany. We don't have to live in darkness. We can be in the light. He is light. He is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. I am the light of the world, he would say. John 8, 12. John 9, verses 5 and 6. 
What have I said several times? I'll say it again. Virtually every concept brought out in John 1, 1 through 18 is going to be expanded upon throughout the rest of the book. And when Judas leaves to betray the Lord, the text says it was night. It was dark. Some people love darkness more than light. And because of Jesus, we don't have to be in the dark about God and who He is and what He's like anymore. Light. Again, go to John 1 if you would. This is number six. The word Jesus has John the baptizer sent from God as a forerunner. The word that is Jesus, and this is verses six through eight of John chapter one. Has God senting John the baptizer as a forerunner to announce that the Savior has come, the Lord has come. Notice what's said about John. And in your Bibles, you can jot down Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. One who would prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. John had an incredible mission and Jesus himself spoke of the goodness of the man when he said, a greater has not been born of woman than, than John the baptizer, Matthew 11, 11 and following. Because his whole life was about playing second fiddle to Jesus. And the longer I live, the more I realize the extreme wisdom of ever playing second fiddle to Jesus. In many ways, you and I are to be like John the baptizer, but after the coming. We prepare the way for the Lord for people to receive him. We try to help people overcome obstacles, make the path straight so that they can come to Christ. Like John, we should honestly say and believe he must increase Jesus, I must decrease. John 3 verse 30. Notice what is said of John. He is sent by God. He's a man on a mission. Aren't Christians today to be people on a mission? To honor and glorify God, to bring souls to Him? It is said in this passage on three different occasions, He is a witness. 
John was blessed to be an eyewitness of the one that he had come to speak of. You and I are witnesses based on the testimony of Scripture and what the Lord has done in our lives. Not in the same sense as John or the apostles, but it is nonetheless so. John is a man and not the master. Notice the text here. He is a lamp and not the light. He is not the one who was to come, but he is the forerunner, the one who comes before, the one that the Old Testament had so much to say about, the coming king, the Messiah. John was a witness Jesus is the Word. John was a messenger to prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus is the message that tells us about the creative and saving power of God. Word. Lord willing, you'll come back tonight. I hope you will. And we will look at these remaining verses from John chapter 1. It's fascinating. I hope that you've been able to get into it somewhat with me this morning. But introducing people to Jesus can be as simple as taking our cue from the gospel of John. Let's pray together. Our God, we come to you in the name of God the Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We come to you in the knowledge that there is no God in all of the world like you. You alone are the true and living God. God, we see that Jesus was with you and relating to you at the very beginning of all things. That he is God in every way. And God, we praise you and we lift up your son for the salvation that he has made possible and for the way he has explained to us what you're like. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for making salvation possible in him. God, I pray that not one person would leave this building this hour who's wrong with you, who's lost, who's wavering, who's going the wrong direction. Jesus is the way, and without Him we can't go anywhere. He's the truth, and in a world full of lies, we need to know the truth. And He's life, and gives life. 
And we need the life that can be found in him alone. Thank you, God, for all you are and all you do. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're about to stand and sing a song of encouragement. Perhaps there's one here who needs to respond, perhaps in a public way. Because you believe in Jesus and you want to make acknowledgement that He is the Son of God. You want to turn from your sins and be baptized to have your sins forgiven. You will make a beautiful day even better by that desire. And you can leave this building cleansed and right with God. For those of us who are Christians, the world needs to hear who God is and what God is like. They'll be much more receptive to the plan of salvation when they see the word, Jesus. Let us stand and sing.